Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy, and we are here to guide you to go from good to amazing in the bedroom and beyond. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 197, and it's titled, Why Women Are Attracted to Assholes. But do not let that title fool you, because we are going to be talking about way more than just that. We will talk about that, but there's so much more. And I have to say, I don't usually do this at the beginning of a show, but we rarely get a lot of time to talk to our guests before they come on the show. Sometimes we get to read their books, sometimes we don't. We actually had an opportunity this time to talk a little bit more, and it was absolutely hysterical. So I'm just going to tease you a little bit at the beginning of this. If you're just like, you know, tuning in to see like, is this, do I really want to listen to this? Yes, you do, because it's going to be really fun. There's going to be tons of foul language. I was going to say, yes, it's like, be prepared. (laughs) That's right. Um, It's going to be really fun. We're really going to be talking about some uh, male archetypes and and how men show up and what dynamic that creates in the relationship and how that relates to your sex life. We're going to hear about it from somebody who lived it personally and also from his actual therapist. So this is going to get really, really good because you can get both ends. Usually you get the therapist coming on talking about therapist, you know, uh, uh, the way that they would handle the situation. Or you get the other end, which is like, here's what I went through. But today you're going to get both sides of it. It should be (laughs) really really interesting especially because they actually wrote a book together and we're gonna we're gonna introduce them in just a minute all right so before we introduce our guests let's give a big shout out to our sponsors power and mastery if you want to join the secret club of men who are great in bed then check out power and mastery at powerandmastery.com it is the most complete sexual mastery training for men whether you want to have harder erections last longer or increase your sexual skills there is something for you at powerandmastery.com so make sure you go check it out at after this show so i love our guests today, we have David Coates. Um, David, so men like those featured in the book, Be Less Dickish. See, we are starting already with our words. Uh, while practicing psychotherapy in San Francisco and has worked very hard to be less dickish himself. He has led men's group, couples retreat, been an adjunct fa- faculty member of the California Institute of Integral Studies, John F. Kennedy University, and taught internationally. He currently resides in places warmer than San Francisco. Francisco and continues to travel, write, teach, and support men, women, and couples in figuring things out. And prior to co-authoring Be Less Dickish, we had Corey, and Corey was David Coates' client. Corey sat on David's couch and spilled his gut. The therapist and client relationship lasted for over seven years and was the basis for many of the therapy sessions that are described in the book. He's married to Kelly, and he's a dad, a grandpa, and just a regular fellow who enjoys restoring old Lamborghini tractors with his family and friends. So welcome, David Coates and Corey Kilpack, to today's show. Thanks for having us. (laughs) I love the fact that uh, when I realized that, wow, you, Corey, were like the client. And so your relationship really has evolved uh, over the years. And that's pretty cool that you were able to shift into this new dynamic and create something pretty powerful together. It was a shifting dynamic. There's no question. Dave and I uh, became very close. I mean, it was a professional relationship that ended probably three or four or five years ago. And then Dave reached out to me and we started this book. So we've been through a lot together. We've processed a lot uh, personally, and we processed a lot to get this book done. All right. It's been a hell of a ride. So the book, for all of you listeners and for those watching the video, we'll put it there. But the book is How to Be Less Dickish. Yes, and I want to read the subtitle for that because some people are like, I'm not a dick, what do I need this book for? (laughs) The Definitive Self-Help Book About Men. So it is a very fun title, but it's not just about the dick. And we'll get into the, what we mean by that in a moment, because there's, there's a lot more depth to it than just you're a dick and here's how you fix it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's break it down a little bit because you guys have identified four archetypes. So maybe that's a good starting point. Let's start by breaking them down a little bit and let our listeners and audience know about those archetypes. 
Go for it, Dave. All right. Uh, great to be here. And um, here, here's what we came up with. Like, what, what do men do when they spin out? What do men do when they're triggered? And so we came up with basically four different directions that men will go when they're triggered. And then we took them to the extreme. And then we took the most intense labels, these most intense archetypes, and said, okay, we're going we're gonna to take these intense words and we're going to define them. So the first, I'll start with asshole. So the asshole is the most extreme. He's aggressive. He's completely selfish. He's only thinking about himself and he's shameless. He's not even aware of the impact he's having on other people. He's not, he's not aware at all of others. So that tends to be the most extreme response that men have. And so he's the asshole. You want us to hit on all four? Yeah, yeah, just a brief summary of all four, and then we're going to dive in, and because I know Corey's going to add a bunch of personal stories into it. And yeah. what? <laughs> we know you were the asshole. <laughs> Ooh, teaser, teaser. <laughs> Corey, why don't we just go back and forth on this one? The, the yeah, and I think it, you know there are four characters in here: the asshole, the douchebag, the pussy, and the dick, and they really describe these motives that we have and what we care, how much we care. Do you give a shit? Do you give a fuck? Or do you not give a fuck? And it, it's not just a matter of like you, whether you have an emotional experience, you do that. It's whether you are aware enough and care enough about other people and about yourselves that you're concerned about the consequences or possibly on the other side, that's all you do. You're only concerned about feelings and your emotions and the consequences and everyone else's consequences and how frozen is Antarctica today and what is that doing to me? And, and this is how we broke these characters down. You have this asshole who doesn't give a fuck and is thinking about himself. The extreme other side of that is the pussy who cares about everything and is always giving everything away. He's deferential. So the pussy is the extreme opposite of the asshole, not just because he's going to get his ass kicked, but because he cares more than the asshole cares. He's conscientious more than the asshole's conscientious, and he's selfless where the asshole is selfish. I so that in- created these dynamics and how men behave and yeah. how the relationships are between them. And I want to interrupt you just for a, a split second because – I want to make sure that people understand. So you just touched on something there, which is that we're not just saying that these are all bad, that there are some gifts that come with these two, right? Because you just said that, that, you know, the douchebag is more conscientious maybe than the asshole, right? So there are, there are some good qualities in each one. And we'll, we'll talk more about that later. But I just kind of wanted the listeners to understand that as we're talking about these different archetypes and how they manifest, there can be some good qualities in there as well. So we've got the asshole, self-centered. The opposite is the pussy, like overly uh, compliant and serving to its faults. Who's next? (laughs) All right, I'll kick it off. I'm going to go with the douchebag and let Dave finish with the dick. All right. So what you're saying is really important. Being selfish and being selfless, neither one is great. Neither one is wrong. It's not bad. They're good things. You need them both. Being conscientious and shameless, also not bad, not pejorative. You need them both. The extremes create these characters and these names that we're using. But the actual experience of being selfish or selfless is no big deal. But take the douchebag. Like there's this image that we have of the douchebag of this guy who's always looking for his personal conquests and keeping a a, a calendar or diary of all the shit that he has and the things that he does and the women that he's been with or whatever it is. And you think that this can't be a selfless character. He's, he's got to be selfish to be that concerned about himself, but that's not the case. In the case of the douchebag, this is a character who's taken his authentic self and just discarded it. So his self, his true experience and what he really is, he's just like, fuck that. I'm going to be something else. I'm going to put on a costume. I'm going to look a certain way, dress a certain way, and I don't care what the consequences are. 
And I'm sure in your practice, you've seen these guys where they can't hardly be in a relationship anymore because who the hell is this guy? Like great car, great suit, nice watch right on buddy. Who the fuck are you? (laughs) And how the hell do you expect anyone to figure it out when you've agreed that you're going to throw it all away and be this shameless character on the stage. That's the douchebag. And the opposite of that is the overconscientious, selfish dick. <laughs> Go for it, Dave. Okay. I have a great time with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the douchebag is the great imitator, right? And so the other side, we have the dick. So like the asshole, this guy's selfish. He's, he's only really interested in what he wants. And we'd said the asshole shameless and the dick is conscientious. And, and most people, this one's counterintuitive. They're like, how is the dick conscientious? The dick is very aware of how you're feeling and what's going on with you, but only insofar as it affects him. So the dick is the classic guy that like, let's say his partner walks in and she's had a stressful day. He's very aware that she's had a stressful day. And his first thought is like, great. Now, what do I have to deal with? How's this going to affect me and my fucking night? So he's always the victim. So he's very conscientious. He's aware of you. He's aware of everything. Only insofar as it affects him. And this guy's tough because it's never his fault. Something's always being done to him. He's being perfectly reasonable. But it's your fault. And so whatever he does is justified. Yeah, I said a mean thing, but look what you said to me first. So he is the consummate victim. So I have a question. Out of these four, are there any that you tend to see more often than the others? I mean, listen, that's a great question. Um, I mean, I see, you, you, can kind of, you know, I can see it in my own life when I'm activated, like I can track myself going to all four of these quadrants. But I, I've definitely seen a lot of dicks and a lot of pussies, probably more than the other two. That's what I would say. Bingo. That was a loaded question because that was the answer I expected to get. And I asked that question first because we're going to talk about all of them throughout the course of this show, but I think we're going to probably focus on those two a little bit more. One, because Corey, you have self-identified as formerly being one of these more common types, right? So obviously, since we have your experience here, we want to spend some time digging into that and, you know, from both of your perspectives. But that would have been my guess, too, that in the current society, you probably tend to see the majority of being on one side of that spectrum or the other. There's a little bit to talk about with that before we get into the details of, of who these characters are and understand that being a conscientious person and for yourself and others, whether you're doing it for as in a role as someone who's submissive, or whether you're conscientious and looking out for yourself, like nothing's ever your fault. Those have become the acceptable way to exist. We, we've created a mode where somehow we've elevated this level of submission and this level of caring about everyone else and everything that they do to you and raise that on a platform. And, and it exists within movements, ideologies. It can exist in all kinds of places. But we have a generally accepted mode now where, yeah, it's kindness means you give up or you give it away or you don't win or you don't expect to be the winner. And, and conscientiousness is you care about everything and you make sure everyone knows how much you care and you signal how much you care. So when Dave says he's seen this a lot more, I think we could all say the same thing because that's the general like accepted way to be right now. That is wokeness, if you want to call it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes, you're starting to go there. Yeah. What were you going to say, Celine? Well, um, Dave said something interesting, too. Can you move from one archetype to another? Because you were saying you can identify where you get um, activated in, into the different archetypes. Can you go, is there a default one? Or maybe you react that way in this circumstance and this way in another one? Yeah, I mean, uh, this is a great question. And... You, you can see it. You can see them all sometimes in a short conversation. You can see a guy walk in, like in my example, and, 
and you know, let's say his partner, she's had a hard day. He's like, you know what? You're always in a bad mood. You know, why are you always stressed out? Right. So he's the dick, he's the victim. And let's say she's, you know, she snaps at him. Right. And then he can shift and go full an asshole. Well, you can fuck off. Like, I don't care what you think. Right. Like then he's shameless and selfish. Right. And then he feels bad. Right. Cause her feelings are hurt. And then he gets deferential. Like, Oh, I'm sorry. Like, what, you know, what can I cook you for dinner? Like, you know, uh, you know, uh, and then he, and then, and then, you know, that's not working. And then finally he can shift to like, you know, baby, it's all good. Like we've got a good thing going. Like, let's just like keep it positive. Like, uh, you know, like, so you can literally move all over the spectrum in a single conversation. And some men do that. They'll try to find a way to kind of keep, to keep their position, to not actually take full responsibility. So absolutely. And men can be like complete assholes at work and be complete, like deferential men at home. Like it's fascinating when you really start to see through this lens, how men can kind of move around depending on the context, depending on what's going on in the conversation. Yeah. It's very cool. I think what Dave's describing too, is a character who is ranging in a proximity of a balance center like he's always going to be extreme. And in chapter seven of our, our book, we really hit this hard. Like we lay it out in a brutal view. And that chapter is about the piece of shit. And we ask the question very specifically in the book, what's worse, an asshole or a piece of shit? And if you go out in public, go to your bars, hang out with your friends and you ask, they'll all nod their head like the piece of shit is worse. Like there's no question about it, really, if you've experienced this. And what Dave's describing is a character who's compartmentalized. And he used the example of someone who's an asshole at work, but deferential at home. We've seen other examples where people are deferential at work. You put them in a, uh, in a situation where they feel threatened by another asshole, for example, and they'll go home and just take it out on anyone around them. Or they find situations where they can fake it and appear to be something completely different. But at home, they're a monster. Or they're deferential. There's something different. They compartmentalize their life. And really, these is, are arrangements where people stay on this extreme in order to wield control or give up control, which is also a form of control, ironically, unironically, rather. But the people just range around doing shitty things all the time. Not everyone is just going one direction, due northwest or due south. They, they tend to compartmentalize depending on the situation. Right. And that's why I think discussing these, you know, as many of them as we can fit into the show is important because some people might go, well, I'm a little bit of this, a little bit of that. So it's a good for them to get a broad feeling. And I definitely want to come back to something you were saying uh, before, Corey, but I'm going to save that now until we get to the pussy because it fits in with that perfectly. I want to, I want to jump over to the, uh, asshole character and um maybe you could start by telling us a little bit about the character in the beginning of the book and how that character sort of acted and then you know you can you can take that and then lead into the the sort of secret behind that character (laughs) (laughs) oh we shouldn't have had that call huh (laughs) yeah Yes, this is this is awesome. You know, I I don't know a lot about your viewers and readers and your clients and but they sound like they're real people in real relationships doing real things and willing to arrive at a point in their life. They're willing to talk about the details of their life and ask questions. They if they're not uh, showing up to you with a closed mind. They're arriving curious, they're aware of their situation, and they're willing to talk about it. And we wanted to bring that out in the book. And the first character, and this is a character book, it is driven by these characters. They follow a story arc, and these are real experiences of real people. And we changed the names in many cases and kind of mixed them up, obviously, to make it into a a book. But Jonah is the present character. He is a beast in the book and he is the asshole and if you started reading the book and i think you have right yes <laughs> so you have, if you get through jonah there's going to be a point where you want to put this thing down 
It happened it to me. Wrong. I was like, I can't continue reading. I am so annoyed. This is everything that's wrong. And I was like, if that would, um, this client, this person needs to come and see me. <laughs> I don't even know if I want to work with that guy anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And but at the same time, when you're reading it, you realize I, I know this guy. <laughs> yeah. Right. And and we're trying to show this is like, yeah, this is a guy in your neighborhood or in your house or at your job. Like, you, you know, this guy, you've talked about this guy. You may have been attracted to this guy. You may have been repulsed by this guy. Like, it, it, who knows? But it's certainly recognizable. And this is a guy who's going through his life and relying on his innate instincts as an asshole to get through the fucking day. Oh, give us an example of that, because I know you got a good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll get to it. And it's not in the first chapter, but I know where you're going. And, and, and like, Dave's cracking up. He's like, oh, I don't know where this is going to land. This is going to go bad. <laughs> so I'll give you the example that we put in the book. There was a personal example, is that there's a story in there where this asshole actually threatens a preschool director. Like he, in front of families, in front of kids, he snaps, he loses his shit and threatens a preschool director. Like who the hell does this? And <laughs> it, it's insane. And in, as a result of this, the, the kid gets threatened, like the school, the parents, they want to kick the little four-year-old kid out of school and everyone's a monster because this Jonah threatened a preschool director and we're sharing this and Dave and I went back and forth on whether to include this in the book because that really happened. I really did that. Like I really truly in those exact words that are in the book threatened a preschool director in almost those exact circumstances. And it came down almost exactly the way it did with on that, on my son. And it, it was a point where the, like for me personally, it was like, how, how bad can this get? Like how, like what new catastrophe could come my way? Like how bad could this really go? If uh, I'm at the point where my instincts say, threaten this guy who's trying to do the best he can for little kids and families and help him get into kindergarten and teach him how to read and write and play with each other. And here I am, threatening this guy and i show up to dave in the character in the book it's like all right like this is it like we're like we're done like it's over like you, there's no coming back from something as catastrophic as that and and to write this in the book like i couldn't have done it without dave because he was there for a lot of this process he may not have been around the exact time that that happened at the preschool, but there were plenty more just like it. Right, Dave? You agree? The, the correct answer there is no. That was isolated. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was forward. the only time. <laughs> the, but we're dealing with in the book and with Dave's help as a character and as a writer and as a therapist in the book to try and pinpoint the difference in what is an instinct and a reaction and what is a controlled and direct and responsible response or act. And clearly this character, Jonah, he didn't show up very concerned about being responsible. He is just going to break shit, hurt shit and call people names and get to the front of the line, and he doesn't give a fuck. So, so Dave, when this guy shows up into your office, like, how does that go? Like, what are you thinking? Are you like, oh man, <laughs> I got, I got a shit ton of work to do here? Like, how, how do you approach that when this guy, this asshole, shows up in your office and tells you that he just threatened a preschool teacher? Yeah, I mean. Listen, assholes are usually compelled to therapy, like they have to be there or their partner says you either go to therapy or we're done. Like it takes a lot of pressure to break somebody like out of that mold. And 
the only thing you can do, and this is what I do with everybody that I see, is try to get them curious. And that's really the skill and the, from the profession, which you guys probably recognize too. Like, how do you get someone interested in what they're doing? How do you break their narrative where like it's everyone else's fault or there's no other fucking way or, you know, you, you've, and, and usually things aren't going well for the asshole. Usually there's a lot of pressure mounting and then there's an opportunity, right. For them to say, okay, I got to figure out what my role is in all of this. Like I'm the common factor here across the board in my life that is falling apart. Ooh, that takes some awareness. Yeah, it does. And it, it, and it, it, it takes a lot of things. It can take patience. It takes a lot of care. It takes a lot of curiosity. It takes the capacity to frame a different kind of life because, you know, the asshole is terrified of being humiliated. Like we all, we all are at our core, but just, there's always going to be shame there. And like, how do you get someone interested? Because you, you want them to get better. You're pulling for it. Like women who have dated assholes, like they, they're, they're dying for the guy. To, to show up differently, to not be so reactive, like to break that cycle of being an asshole and then apologizing the next day and being ashamed and, you know, committing to being different, being different. And then the same thing happens again. So, you know, I, I, I find them fascinating also because there's such power. There's such like raw intensity. And, you know, most men are hungry, you know, who fall more on the pussy dick side of the spectrum. There's a big appeal of the asshole because there's a freedom there. Most people care too much about what other people think. They're very self-conscious. They're easily embarrassed. And then here comes the asshole. There's a lot of asshole in, in popular media now on television because he's got this magnetic appeal because he's free in a way others are not. So a lot of the men I work with, I'm trying to teach them to get in touch with their more aggressive side, their more assertive side, to not give so much of a fuck so much of the time. So it's, you know, it's interesting, right? That is the perfect transition because, you know, from the title of the show, we also have a question, which is why are women attracted to this archetype, right? Why, why do women go for the bad boy? And, you know, we have our own theories on that, which, you know, in speaking a little bit earlier, seem to jive with, with what you guys are saying too. But you, you guys definitely approach it from a little bit of a different angle and use different languaging. So I'm really curious from your point of view, why is it that women are often attracted to this asshole type? And, and in that, I'm sure you'll be able to tell us some of the good reasons. And some of the not so good reasons. Mm -hmm. Corey, you want to start with this one? Yeah. <laughs> the, I'm going to tell it from the point of the book and the concepts of the book, because I only know one woman that's attracted to me. So, <laughs> 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 yeah. so I, I can't really speak to it at a personal level, but I would say this about the asshole. One, there's fewer of them. In order to have an asshole in the community, he needs to have subjects. So they're rare. Um, just statistically they they're not as present and like we talked about earlier there seems to be a lot more pussies and dicks out there so that's part of it but the most important part and why they're attracted to it isn't because they're aggressive and they hurt people that's not what makes an asshole attractive that makes him awful that makes him scary that makes him a threat and we make no excuses for this. We're not promoting aggression. We're making it very clear. Violence is awful. It is fucked up and it hurts people. But the characteristics that make the asshole are selfishness and shamelessness. And when that's in control, you have a guy who basically is creating his own ride. And these same characteristics that um, make him unconcerned about others' feelings all the time or even unaware, as Dave described him, they're the same characteristics that make a person fearless of failure and fearless of the naysayers and fearless of the gallery comments. And one example I like to give people, um, just because it's, it's pop culture and it's real, you look at what Elon Musk has done and you can't look at a guy and think, hey, you built these industries and this electric car industry. If you were afraid of what people would say or afraid of going bankrupt or afraid of losing your previous fortune, he wouldn't have, you wouldn't have done it, but you did it anyways. This is a guy, he wasn't even aware. He's like, so what? 
Like he, he's not, he's giving people a ride, a reason to watch what he's doing. And at a personal level, we're saying, get your shit back closer to the center. If you want to be in a relationship, don't be worried about the gallery all the time. Give people a reason to want to see what you're doing and give people a reason to want to get on the ride. And also give them a reason to be really fucking proud to have you on their team. And, and I think that's what we're trying to say. And we kind of sum this up again later in the book. It's like an asshole that's your asshole. It's kind of cool. Like when he's on your side, you're like, yeah, I'd rather have that guy on my side. And then that explains why people want to be on his ride and they want to be, they are attracted that they want to join in that creation and that business and that relationship and that family. Cause hell yeah, let's get on the ride and go with that guy. Yeah. It reminds me of that uh, line in the first Austin Powers movie when they're talking about who is Austin Powers. He's an international man of mystery. And basically what they say is um, men want to be him and women want to be with him. Right. <laughs> and, and it's that, that same sort of concept, which is, the things that make women attracted to the asshole are not the fact that he's an actual asshole, not the fact that he threatens their kid's teacher and almost gets their kid through. That's not what's attractive. Right. What's attractive is, is that he's assertive and he stands up for what he wants and he embodies masculine qualities that, especially in today's society, are so lacking in so many men, hence the pussy, which we'll talk about later. But it's that idea that that there are those masculine qualities that women are really craving that they only see in the guy that just doesn't give a shit, right? But, mm -hmm. but because on the other end of the spectrum, the guy cares so much, he doesn't allow those things to show up. I mean, what, what would you say about that, Celine? As the, as the one woman here <laughs> in this discussion. <laughs> I'm being put on the spotlight here. No, I, to I totally would agree. I think there's this, um, there's something very attractive about a man who you know that no matter what you do as a woman you can't change him like there's a part of us as women we're like oh we want to change this person and we're going to make him better and turn him into the man but really when you see that a guy like no matter how crazy you go as a woman he's not affected by you and that you're he, not going to knock him off you're his not going to knock him off his center exactly and that you can trust him and you can like, you can stand, he stands for what he believes in and he's going to be there for you. And there's like a whole place within yourself as a woman where you go like, yeah, I can surrender then and I can really let go when I'm next to and, that person. And isn't that a, a lot about what the little tests that women do to men are about testing that foundation mm -hmm. to see if she can really rely on it? For sure. What? There's a test? What the fuck? <laughs> no, no, Corey, there's not one test. There are hundreds. <laughs> Damn it. Thousands Dave. if you've been together for a lot of years. <laughs> there's a test. You didn't tell me about this damn test. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really well defined. And he's, you know, Corey uses this term in the book, like he's the ultimate protector. Mm -hmm. Like, and it, so you feel, women often feel really safe with a man like, like this because they know where he stands and they know that he's got her back mm -hmm. and no one's going to mess with you when an asshole is on your side. So that, that, that's, those are very appealing dynamics at play. And then you're right. Women can often surrender there. However, the problem is, is when something happens to turn him to the opposite side, you've got a big problem, right? Right. Then, well, then he's just destructive. He doesn't care. You're not safe at all. Mm -hmm. Right. So you're, you're, you're under threat all the time at the same time. I wouldn't call that the opposite. I would call that the extreme. <laughs> like we use the concept of the perimeter, like he's still selfish, but now he's out of fucking control. That is not good. Mm -hmm. That is not good. We are not giving any thumbs up to that. Those extremes are always things that we should reject. Yeah. And you know, I, something that I, I mentioned earlier when we spoke, which is that when you, when you think about it, these qualities are not inherently good or bad. It's how you use them. And like the analogy that I used was a gun can be used to kill somebody. It can also be used to save somebody's life, right? It's not the tool itself. It's how you use it. So yep. you can use these asshole uh, qualities for good, or you can use them for bad, right? Yep. 
Yeah. So I want to uh, go into another part of the spectrum that I think we see a lot. It's the pussy one. Uh, but before we dive into that, I want to make a short little announcement for our readers. If you want to support our show, Kevin and I have created a, a store where we compile handpick affiliates, products, things that we love, and they are all helping to support your health, sex, life, and relationship. If you purchase any of the products, from us and our affiliates it helps to support the work that we do and ensure that we can continue to help as many people and couples as possible so go to celineremy.com forward slash products to find more about our great online store that we have sex there. toys biohacking supplements to make you strong and last longer yes <laughs> all courses, that kind of stuff all of that courses so, okay back to the pussy Okay. Oh, yes. I love to get back to the pussy. <laughs> oh, sorry. Wrong conversation. <laughs> Not that bad. We have one. Okay. So I see uh, with a lot of the clients that we coach, it's definitely one of the biggest problems that I see happening in society. And I think we can come back and talk about this epidemic that is going on about how many men now are because they, they're going on the other end of the spectrum and get into that pussy archetypes. And in a sense, it's very unattractive to women. We women tend to step it up. If nobody is taking the role, I think women will step in it and do it. But we're not designed to do that properly. And it's tiring us. And then the pussy is frustrating and resentful. And that relationship kind of really sucks. So what about uh, maybe getting maybe Dave, do you have some ideas about the pussy? Why he's so unattractive to women? And maybe some comments about that? Yeah, first, first, Describe to the listeners a little bit more about who the pussy is and then why this can be a big problem. Corey, why did I just get the pussy question? <laughs> what is she, I don't know. What did she pick it up on? <laughs> I ain't touching this one. <laughs> no way. Corey called me after he read the initial pussy chapter that I wrote. He was just sweating. He's like, I, I can't believe this guy exists. Like, is this real? Like, I, no, no, like this can't be happening. Like, it was a really interesting to see your response to that guy. Um, but yeah, listen, let me jump in. The, the pussy, I'm, I'm so glad that this guy is one of the ones you wanted to focus on because he's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he's everywhere. And there's an initial appeal to the pussy because he's a nice guy. Right. And he cares. And that's a beautiful thing. And he's not all about himself. He cares about other people and he's conscientious about what's going on with them. So I want to start out by being clear, like it's such a loaded, intense word, but the pussy cares a lot. Right. This isn't necessarily this isn't a weak man. So but he's overly deferential. So the asshole gives you this solid thing to bump up against. He's always there. You always know where he stands. And the pussy, he never gives you anything to push up against. He's too afraid of upsetting you to hold and take a position. So he has learned to kind of abandon himself. And if you're okay with me, then I'm okay with me. Now, if you really think about living a life from that point, like if my only goal is to have you not be mad at me or think I'm a good guy, right? There's no there there. There's no hitting the tennis ball back and forth in a relationship. There's no polarity. There's no charge. So the pussy may start out as a really appealing guy, but very quickly, very quickly, it's like, oh my God, like I'm having to decide again where we're going to dinner. Like, what do you want to do? Like, you know, women want to feel men's desire, their clarity, their passion, their purpose. This guy's unwilling to bring any of that forward because of his own wounding. So I work with a lot of men who come from this place and men and couples relationship. And it is a lot about learning to be assertive that like their power is welcome because they've been emasculated in their own family of origin or by a culture that tells them that their desires are bad or that they're the raping sex and like, you know, all this like internalized kind of male stuff that's going around. Toxic masculinity. Right. Toxic masculinity. So I'm so glad that you brought all of that stuff up because, you know, we would say that that's probably the majority of men that we see in our coaching practices as well these days. Most of them are coming in and, uh, you know, if I had to classify them into one of those four, I'd put them into the pussy category. And I think a lot of the reason that is, is because there is so much pressure from society that that's who men are supposed to be these days which I think is hilarious because 
it's not masculine at all. It's not what the women want. Like if you ask women, what are you looking for in a man? They don't say that guy. They'll say a couple of things. They want him to be kind. They want him, they want him to care about their opinion and stuff like that. But when you get into the stuff that really, you know, like simple things, like you said, the dinner thing, they literally want a man to say, okay, uh, I'm going to take you to dinner tonight and I'm going to take you to your favorite restaurant. That's what they want now. Or I'm gonna I'm gonna take you to my favorite restaurant. (laughs) That could be that could be too. And here's but here's the key difference between you know say the negative side of the asshole um, and maybe more the positive side, which is the moment she says, "I don't want to go there." He should be okay. I've got another idea. How about we try this one, right? As opposed to the pussy guy who's going to go, where do you want to go? And then she'll say, I don't know, wherever you want to go. Well, no, I want to go wherever you want to go, right? And you get into this softy, wishy-washy back and forth, and ultimately she'll just get back, ah, this fucking guy can't make a goddamn decision. This is the most unattractive thing in the world. Yeah, I think the way Dave describes it's important, though, is that these characteristics at first glance and even in the first experience are awesome. Like you meet a guy who it, it seems polite and willing to defer to decision. He's interested in what the ride is, what the experience is like from the other side. Like this is all great. And it, it's the point where you kind of, at some point you need that connection in order to build or take one more step and Dave's right. There's this character who's like, all right, you just tell me where to go or you get what you want. And suddenly it's one-sided and becomes uninteresting. You know, Celine, I happen to know because I know you very well. <laughs> <laughs> I happen to know that you, like, you know, we, we were putting Corey on the spot about his, you know, past experience and that. And I know <laughs> you have past experience with this too, where you were in a relationship previously before you and I, who was always focusing on whatever you wanted, you wanted, you wanted. And, and I want you to tell the story, but tell, tell us how it was in the beginning and then how it changed later on. Yeah, you're right. At first, I loved it because I had just come out of another relationship that didn't really give me attention. This man was giving me so much attention. Finally, I was getting it and we could go into feelings and hours and hours just all about me. And it really nourished a part of myself that was craving this type of attention and energy. But let's say that once I got my cup filled, because it served a purpose, I came into that relationship half empty or maybe like two thirds, whatever. And I came to a place where I'm like, okay, I finally got whatever I had been missing my whole life. Now I'm good. Let's switch gears. Like I'm, I'm whole now, you know. But that's when the problem started to happen because I switched gears, but he couldn't. And then we started to come into different scenarios where I wanted certain things or do certain things, or he wanted certain things, but he said, I can't do this because you you don't want this or you don't want that. And I'm like, that's the old me. The me now says, please go and do that. Please go and have sex with other women. I'm fine with that. We're in open relationship. Let's do this. You know, and I was like, no, but I can't because you or because that. And everything was always because of something I would do or wouldn't do. And ultimately, I kind of came to a point where I was like, grow fucking pear. Like, like, come on, like, take a stance, go do your thing, stop using me as an excuse. Because ultimately, I could see that he was stuck in his own victims and limitations and using me as that when I was like, I'm not playing that game anymore. Basically, he wasn't stepping up and being a strong man. And then he was turning it around and using you as the excuse. Well, I can't go out and build this business because I need to serve you and do things for you mm-hmm. because you need this, you need that. It was always this like softy position when what you really wanted was you really wanted him at that point to stand up and go, okay, now that you're whole, I've got the steering wheel and let's fucking go, right? Mm-hmm. And he just couldn't yeah. do that. Yeah, for sure. So come back to, um, I have this scenario about that victim 
uh, that, oh, yes. that, you know, that place. And maybe we can even take it into the bedroom because that's a lot of the things that we work on. You know, what about the guys who, so he's, he's that nice guy. He wants to honor her and he's like, um, can I touch you? Can we have sex? How about, you know, approaching his women of, are you open to having this? It's been so long. I'd love to have sex. And she kind of goes like, no, not interested or do this or do that for me, something else. And then he really feels utterly frustrated, turns into anger, resentment. I mean, so much thing comes up. Like, how, what do you have to say about that scenario? Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, a lot of ways that men can feel victimized is uh, like the dick will say like, yeah, you're, you know, we haven't had sex in like, like a week and a half. Like what's going on with you? Like, I'm frustrated. What about me and what I need? What about like your sense of responsibility? We're in a sexual relationship. So again, that's the position of you're doing something to me and I'm the victim of you. And a lot of what a dick will do is on some level, he'll say, listen, I'm going to be obnoxious. And the best move for you right now is to fuck me. Mm. Right? Like, and if you don't, I'm going to punish you and I'm not going to stop. And so there's a real power with someone. I know, Corey, I see your face going like, ugh. <laughs> but but that, that's often a move of the dick. It's like, I'm going to stay in my position out on the perimeter that you're doing me wrong, right? I'm, and I'm annoyed and I'm going to act out and be a fucking pain in the ass until I get what I want. And then a lot of partners of dicks will learn you just give the dick what he wants because that's the, that's the way to maintain peace. That's the best way to move forward. But that's the absolute worst thing to do is to meet the dick out on the perimeter, validate his victimization position, give him what he wants, and then you reinforce that behavior. So, yeah, I think what I would say here on this topic, David, and I think it's very important is you were talking about the dick and his victimization in this relationship, and in this case, a sexual relationship. And Dave's describing an extreme that would almost migrate over toward the asshole where he's using his victimization as a threat and a weapon and as a tool. And, and I think your question too, Dave, would have migrated this closer to the pussy where the guy's like, oh, I'm the victim, but I'm going to give up mm -hmm. and I'm going to submit. And so there's probably a range in here that still has a foundation in this guy somewhere on the spectrum looking out for himself, calling himself the victim and trying to figure out this move and to maintain, continue, change the connection. And it's awful. It is awful. And one thing that Dave, um, and I thought he was going to bring this up here, but Dave and my wife described, Kelly described this much better than I will, is the concept of the victim who's telling you what I'm experiencing is your fault. I'm the victim of it. But he, in the process he's doing, how do you do it, Dave? That constant, like pushing the person away and then drawing them in. Yeah. And, and I'll let Dave go into it, but this play back and forth is as the victim, I'm going to move you here. Then I'm going to move you there. Then I'm going to move you here. Then I'm going to move you there. And I'm going to tell you that you need to move as I'm pulling this away, because as the victim, I'm in charge. And when this becomes so personal at a level that people like in a sexual relationship, a personal relationship, a vulnerable relationship, you start wielding that you're fucking with people. Yeah, like, absolutely. You are really fucking with people. And, and that's kind of, you know, that, that is what, what Celine, because I know we were on the same page in that question. What we really wanted to bring out was the idea of victimhood, how victimhood can be weaponized against the other person in the relationship, and how that, that victimhood can span multiple of those archetypes, right? Because it's not only manifest in the one. Um, right. I don't know if there's anything else you want to share about just th that idea of victimization and how that can be used. The, you know, uh, this is a big topic for me. And the, the great irony is I struggled so much writing the book about the pussy. Like I, Dave had to carry the biggest load with the pussy character because to me it was so brutal. Like it was gut wrenching. Like it was just tearing me up. Like I couldn't find a way to relate to this guy 
these characters that we were creating like Dave could, and Dave had to really carry that portion of it. And when we got to the dick, Dave and I were probably equally passionate about it, but for different reasons. Like I was looking at the dick saying, all right, let's fuck this guy up. I hate him. Like I have no fucking passion for this guy. Like we are going to fuck him up and have everyone read this book and hate this guy. And Dave would come at me and be like, uh, these are real dudes doing real things in a real world. Like, you, you, like try and figure this out with a little bit more than just smack the shit out of the guy like an asshole, right? So, <laughs> am I describing this right, Dave? Yeah, I mean, the different characters triggered us in different ways. That was part of the alchemy of the book. It's like we'd get rattled, we'd get triggered, and we'd have to work work our shit out while writing the book. The, the piece I want to say about the victim, and it's something we say in the book, is you don't want to meet these men on their extreme terms. Like if you start indulging the pussy and like taking care of him and mothering him, you're never going to do it enough to where he lands in his powerful masculine. Mm-hmm. You're never going to apologize enough to the dick, take responsibility for his pain. So he stops being a dick. He's just going to want more. You're never going to go along with a douchebag's ride and love him and help him birth his authentic expression. And that's the, that, and, and I, you know, I wrote the book thinking of women as well, who are in relationship with men, like you cannot indulge this extreme behavior and think you're going to change it. What you can do is stay centered in yourself and say, I see what you're doing right now. I'm not going to meet you in the conditions that you're setting. I'm not going to take over responsibility for your life, pussy. I'm not going to play that role. You're going to have to come meet me in the center. and We're going to have a reasonable conversation about what's actually happening, not your interpretation of what's actually happening to the dick. I hear your story that you're the victim. I get it. You really feel like I flirted with that guy in front of you just to humiliate you. I believe that that's the story you're telling yourself, but that's not what happened. And we're not going to go based on your interpretation of reality where I did something to you at that party and now you're the victim and get to punish me. No, fuck no. But I will have a conversation with you about your feelings because you're hurt and I get it. You got jealous and I'm interested in that, but I'm not going to go along with your narrative about what happened as it, though it's the reality. Does that make sense? Yeah. 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 And you know, I'm going to, I know you guys want to move on or we should, but I'm going to hit this pretty hard here. There's a key things about all these characters that really stand out. Like you have this visual of the asshole, like using aggression and actually hurting someone. You have this visual of the pussy who is like just giving it all away, giving up and won't choose where to go to dinner, for example. And what Dave described about the dick is the most important concept of this guy, which is that he is telling you these are, are the terms and conditions for being with me, for communicating with me, for connecting with me. These are the terms. You will meet me when you accept that I am the victim. You will meet me when you accept that it's your fault that the ocean is rising. You will meet me when you accept that it's your fault there's wildfires in California. Like it doesn't matter how broad or how narrow, but the extreme and that all the characters do it, but the dick with that interpretation of the world is so critical. He's saying, this is what you must believe and accept in order to be in my world. And it is fucking rude and it is impossible. So where do we go from there? So (laughs) if our listeners are identifying themselves like, yeah, I've been that, I've been that, this is, yeah, I'm definitely guilty of that. Uh, What, what are the first step? Like what, what do they do from there? Drink. Uh, I'm I'm recommending like really like double scotch, <laughs> whiskey. Like it worked for me, Dave. Right? Like just more whiskey. <laughs> it works until it doesn't. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that was sarcasm, yeah, I mean, by the way, for those yeah. listening. If you didn't get it, <laughs> yeah, no ice, just straight out of the bottle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, better medicine like that. that way. 
that's what, you know, we wrote the book with such extreme characters and most people aren't as extreme. It's pretty rare to be that extreme as they are in the book, but we want people to recognize where they spin out in their lives, in our model. And we want them to get interested. So trace trace is, is the method of transformation in the book and, and it's an acronym. So T and R triggers and reactions. Most people live a life, they're triggered, they react, repeat, right? Triggers, reactions, and they're not conscious. And so T-R-A-C-E, the ace in the trace is awareness. Holy shit, I totally want to go into my deferential pussy stance right now. I'm Okay, I'm aware that it's happening, curious. That's the C in trace. Isn't that interesting? Wow, isn't that interesting? My boss just took a certain tone with me, and I'm collapsing. I'm going into this, like, deferential stance like i want to i want to i want to understand that as a strategy that i developed right like okay for me it's an older brother that was a lot bigger and stronger than me so i've got a natural like oh shit someone's upset with me i get small to stay safe so i'm curious about that and not in a shaming way because i want to honor that as a strategy there's nothing wrong with that that helped me survive was to learn to get kind of small in certain situations Right. And then the E in trace is experimentation. Like it's time to take it live and play with doing something different. So trace is the, is the, is the acronym in the book. And we take the readers through that and we take the characters through that as well. Yeah, that that's great. You know, normally on this show, we like to focus a lot more on these solutions rather than the problems. <laughs> Unfortunately, your characters were, and, and that whole discussion was so fascinating that we used up most of the showtime talking about that. But I do want the uh, listeners to know that the book isn't just about here is all the bad characteristics of these yeah. four archetypes, that there is great information in there on what do you do. So you heard both Dave and Corey mention some really key parts about you know, what a woman can do if she's in a relationship with one of these guys. That was a, a part that we talked yeah. about. And then, then you also just heard uh, some advice on how to use the trace method. So there's, there's good stuff in here. If we have more, this is when I, I wish we had a Joe Rogan format of this, like three fucking hours of just <laughs> sitting here talking about it. Cause we, we, we go three hours in a joint. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Unfortunately, we don't have that kind of time, so we can't spend too much more time on that. But I, I did want to just sort of reinforce that. So the listeners understand that, that there is some good information on what to do with this. So it's not just, here are the archetypes. Figure you out how to deal with it yourself. Yeah, fuck you. <laughs> right? It's not like that. There's good stuff in there. Um, I want to briefly touch on one more question before we get to our last juicy question, which is about how can women identify uh, that a man is one of these before she fucks him? Because, you know, once we, once we have sex, there's this, this whole bonding thing that happens. We become blind and then we think we can change him. And then, you know, then we months or years later and like, fuck, nothing has changed. So maybe do you have any words of wisdom there for our women listeners and what they can do? Yeah, let me let me take a shot at this because we we kind of end the book with like the essential qualities that you can pull out of these four men that are great. So I'm going to break it down briefly. Right, aggression is shitty. The asshole's aggression is shitty, but assertion is necessary for a dynamic relationship. Can this man be assertive? Can he bring himself forward? Can he penetrate me energetically with his opinions, with his, you know, you know what I'm talking about? Like can he oh, do yeah. that? That's the gift. Of, yeah, it's getting. <laughs> that's, the gift of the, that's the gift of the asshole, right? Is assertion. Now, can he also surrender? Can he take me in? Is he being impacted and penetrated by me? Like a pussy is submissive, but surrender is a superpower. Can he take me in? All right. Assertion, surrender, good contact, self knowledge. Is he interested in himself? Is he paying attention to where his blind spots are? Does he want to grow? Does he want to become more than he is? Is he self-aware? It's another nice quality to be tracking for. And then service is the final one, um, which is like, is he serving something higher than himself? Is he interested in a ride that's bigger than him? So he's assertive. He can surrender. He's, he's building self-knowledge and he's serving something larger. And like those four qualities is what we came up with at the end that you can extract from these four guys. And it makes for a really dynamic human being to be in a relationship with. And so if you're a woman, you want to look at those and figure out which one of these is he showing up as, right? 
And, um, and, you know, I don't think this is impossible. Like, you know, Selena, it's a fun question. It's an f- interesting and funny question, but it's a real question. And you know, people have to put themselves in a situation like, am I going into this tonight? I just met this guy or like, how vulnerable do I want to be? And understand, like, if you're going into something on a one hour notice, you're really vulnerable. And chances are you don't know. And chances are you're going to make a mistake or you're going to figure it out after you've really exposed yourself to something. And so what I would say to answer your question is for women to understand what the hell it is they want and acknowledge and surrender to their own circumstance. And they need to know if they're going into this too early without having some visibility of what they're getting into Deal with that. Those are the fucking facts. And the way to move beyond that and not just roll dice is to look at a book like this, have conversations like this, meet people who can talk about it like this and understand that people are real and they will break down. They will rise up. They will show up if you give them a chance and you have to do the same. And if you want yeah, to take and, and a bigger I, chance, go ahead. Yeah. And I would say, and just know, know where you're, know where you get hooked. Like if you get hooked by a douchebag and his flashy image thing, and that turns you on, right. You have to know that about yourself, right? Like this guy's a big shot. Like, and you're already turned on because he's got, he's like a high status male. And if you fuck that guy based on that, before you figure out who he really is, you're signing up for a ride you probably don't really want to be on. So know your own hooks. If you get hooked on the like the wounded victim-y guy and dicks are very seductive, like I'm going to be the one that's finally going to love this guy and then he's going to be this really great guy and he's going to stop being a victim pain in the ass. You got to know that going in. I got hooks for this. My turn on is connected to this. And you have to resist that impulse to just follow that, that love templating and just, and then hang back, see reality clearly is what I would say. It, surrendering to the facts is just a core and key part of that. And this is why we talk about the pussy and I make it very clear in the book. This guy is not weak. He is quite possibly pound for pound, the fucking strongest guy in that book because he can give everything away and stand up and get up and do it again tomorrow and give it all away again. Like he, this is not weakness. This is an incredible strength. It's just weird. (laughs) And and it's just, and it's not sustainable. Having the, the core aspects of the pussy and being able to look out for other people's interests That is a wonderful, awesome thing. And having the ability to be conscientious of other people's experience, that is an awesome thing. And if you can surrender to what you're really giving up and what they're really experiencing, including early in the stages of a relationship, just talking about it is valuable and will keep you out of the ditch a little bit more. And we look... We'll probably all end up in a ditch again. Who knows? <laughs> uh, we're trying to we're trying to get people to a point where they can understand who they are, what they are, and make a better decision, including an early decision, which I believe was your question, right? Yes. So that is fantastic advice. Um, before we ask our last question, however, um, please tell the listeners where they can find your book or anything else that you guys want to promote because. You know, even though we've talked a lot about what's in here, uh, there's still so much more. So if they're interested in this conversation, they should really get the book and read deeper into it. So tell them about that. (laughs) All right. So the best place to find us, because we're not social media savvy like everyone else, we're present. I'm on Twitter at Corey Kilpack. But the best place to get us is www.belessdickish.com. We have 
links to Amazon. We're also on Audible. We had a pretty good narrator read the book. So (laughs) (laughs) there's samples of the... uh, samples of the book you can listen to and read there's explanations of the graphics and the model in there links to there will be a link to this podcast so www.belessdickish.com is the best place awesome and we'll have the link in the description below and i also want to say for everyone listening that you know Corey claimed to have been an asshole and Obviously, he's evolved. So, you know, don't be so worried. If you notice yourself stuck in patterns, you can get out of there. It is possible. Corey is a living example of it. And this book can help you do that. Okay, (laughs) so our very last question, and you each get a chance to answer your own answer for this, which we ask all of the guests on our show. What is your best sexual talent? (laughs) (sighs) Who would like to go first? That's a new one. <laughs> oh, wow. So we get a brag on this one? Yeah, whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. I'm going with... Um, I'm going to go with the two-finger magic trick, creating a goddamn fountain. <laughs> all right. Keep your nose above water. <laughs> Good skill to have. Oh, shit. This question. That was a good one because that was the last thing I expected. (laughs) Yes. All right. This one. I don't talk about this one a lot, but I I am like I'm I'm masterful at a certain kind of like pelvic massage, like all those spaces around the vagina. And around the sacrum, like, I just love, like, finding the crevices and the, the spots in, in, in those sensitive areas and, like, massaging that part of the female body. Cool. Well, those are both great answers. <laughs> Thank you, guys, for sharing. <laughs> yeah, That one made me sweat. I'm going to on that one. <laughs> Blush and sweat. (laughs) Well, thank you, Dave and Corey, for coming on the show. It was a great conversation. Like I said, I wish that we had more time. I want to thank you both. Also, we had a little bit of a time snafu due to some technology issues. And if you haven't noticed, if you're watching the video, Dave is joining us from halfway around the world. So, And it's like way past midnight, like way into yeah. like 2 a.m. And he's like showing up for this for us. So thank you. So, exactly. So we want to thank you for dealing with all of that and still making it on the show and having a great conversation. This has been fun. Thank you. Yeah, you guys are great. Just super professional and clear and fun and really, really want to honor what you guys are doing and putting out into the world. It's bold and it's fucking needed. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Let's do it again. All right. right, Thanks again, guys. We appreciate it. All right, everybody. That's all the time we have for this episode. And we will see you next week. We hope you like this episode of the Love Lab podcast. If you enjoy this show, subscribe, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. And for more free, exclusive content, join us in the Passion Vault at CelineRemy.com forward slash vault. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y dot com forward slash vault. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>